Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Man, as you take your seat, you want to turn in your Bible, if you would, to, uh, we're continuing our series, uh, Fervent is our series. It's a great promise in God's Word in the book of James. Uh, this morning we're looking at a verse, a very short verse, a very powerful one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. But let me reiterate what James has been teaching us as we've been talking about uh, this idea of fervent prayer, this idea that, that, that God gives us this ability to come before Him, but to have a, a heart that is like expectant, a heart that is actually uh, passionate about what it is that we're asking God to do. James tells us the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James lets us know that he gave an example of a man named Elijah who said Elijah was a person with a nature like ours, that Elijah prayed and for three and a half years the, the heavens were shut and there was no rain because God was getting the attention of the nation of Israel. And then it says that, um, that Elijah prayed and again, uh, we read in, in, in the Old Testament that Elijah prayed seven times. He went before God seven times. And, and finally in that last you know, time of praying that God began to send rain on the nation of Israel to sustain that nation so that they might uh, be able to exist and be blessed once again. And he used this example saying that Elijah was a person like us. What we learn in prayer is that, is that ordinary people praying to an extraordinary God, it has great power when we seek God, when we pray. And fervent prayer is powerful. That's what we learned in our first week together. We also learned that fervent prayer is really about relationship. And we talked about that, that prayer model that Jesus gave us, that, that you and I go before him. In fact, a, a, a person who is a believer, a person who is a follower of Jesus, they're the only ones that actually have the, the hope and the promise of answered prayer because prayer is really about relationship, isn't it? It's about you and I putting our faith and trust in God, we get adopted into his family, and then we get to call upon God, as Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so we talked about that prayer model and that relationship that we have. Last Sunday, we talked about in fervent prayer, sometimes we can have a hinder uh, prayers being answered. Sometimes our prayers are selfish in nature. Uh, maybe we have a, a relationship that isn't in harmony, that God's trying to get our attention. But there's a few things that actually can hinder fervent prayer from being a reality in our lives. This morning, though, I want to talk to us about this idea of fervent prayer being this moment-by-moment -moment connection and reliance to God. And that His resources that He has are available to us literally all the time. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and again, it is a short verse. There is a, a, actually some very powerful um, uh, little promise, or actually commands that Paul gives to that church in Thessalonica, but he says in verse 16, rejoice always. In verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. In verse 18, he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's God's will that you and I would stay in a moment-by-moment moment kind of connection with him. You think about prayer and that idea of praying without ceasing. He, he's saying to this church, grab a hold of this concept of the very nearness of God and the ability to stay connected throughout your day, and what a great resource that is for us. 
to see prayer as more than just what we uh, Christians would call quiet time, right? Uh, for centuries, Christians have, uh, you know, set aside time uh, before God. As Jesus said, go into your prayer closet and there pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees your prayer in secret will reward you. This idea of like spending time with God. I gave you a little, a little acronym that I use myself. Write it in the little back area of your Bible or put it on a little note card. But the acronym ACTS, like not A-X, but A-C-T-S. Uh, it stands for adoration, so spend some time worshiping God. C stands for confession, so you confess to God your, your sin and that you need Him to, you know, to touch your life and to strengthen you. T stands for thanksgiving, and S stands for a word supplication, which really just means bringing requests before God. I promise, and I made this promise before we began this series back in January, that if you would carve out 10 minutes a day and just begin to have that, that regular habit of meeting with God, walking through that prayer model, it will revolutionize your life because God moves in answer to prayer and you'll feel more connected to him than any year in your life. It's a valuable tool and, and I hope that you do take that challenge very seriously. And Jesus taught us, he said, hey, go into that closet and pray. So that's what quiet time is, right? You might have a journal that you journal out your prayers. I have lots of journals, like it's a, a journal if you're a guy, it's a diary if you're a girl. You journal your prayer, you know what I mean, and and uh, and, you, and you you know uh, you, you're able to look back and say like, wow, look at how God has been moving and the things I was praying for five years ago or five months ago. I'm beginning to see God's stirring and movement. Uh, you set that time aside. It's so valuable. You get your Bible out. You spend time reading God's Word and having that quiet time. But what happens uh, when when you read a verse like this to pray without ceasing? You can't like, you know, bow your head and close your eyes without ceasing or get on your knees before God without ceasing because you'll lose your job. You need to go and spend time, you know, do things in this life, right? To pray without ceasing really is this idea of, of uh, the word that Paul actually chose to use. It almost is like a, a hacking cough, you know what I mean? Have you ever had like a little cough you just kind of get rid of, you know what I mean? You're in, it's usually like the quiet moment at a church service or a quiet moment at a uh, movie, you know? And all of a sudden it gets in and it's like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> you know, it's this idea of kind of involuntary. It's just like shows up. And it's just kind of something that just throughout the day is, is, is something that you're dealing with. Praying without ceasing, it suggests this idea, this mental attitude of prayerfulness, this continual, if you would, personal fellowship with God, and, and really just being conscious of, of, of being in His presence throughout the day. What happens when you say amen at the end of your quiet time? Do you say, all right, Laurel, see you tomorrow, you know, maybe the next day? It's actually this idea that it's a continuous, flowing relationship with God as you just go about life. It's the idea of learning to live in His presence, if you would, and spending your day going, God is with me, and God is available at, at this time. It's that concept of, of that having a continuous, flowing conversation with the Lord, that you have access to His presence at all times. You and I were, were made for fellowship. This is why Paul uh, encourages this church back 2,000 years ago and, and encourages us today, that, that we would find that connecting with God is the greatest part of our journey and the greatest part of our life. We were made to have fellowship with God. We read in 1 John, John lets uh, the, the congregation know that he was ministering to, as he wrote in 1 John, he says, we proclaim to you 
what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. Speaking of, hey, we're telling you about Jesus. We saw him, we heard him, we saw his resurrected body. He's confirming all the things that they had heard about the, the gospel. And he says, um, what we have actually seen and heard, that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. The purpose of prayer, uh, prayer is more than just getting requests made and, and God like, you know, taking care of the things that you and I bring before Him. It includes that. But the purpose is prayer is so much deeper. It's about a connection. It's about a fellowship that you and I can have with God. It's about that, that, that relationship that, that, that what John says will produce this, this joy in your life beyond anything else you could experience in your journey here. This joy, the greatest part of prayer is not just the answered prayers and the resources that are made available to us, but, but Him, intimacy with Him, a constant flowing conversation with the Lord. Before the fall, when you read in, in the book of Genesis, we see that Adam and Eve, they had this, this relationship with God, that they walked with God in the Garden of Eden. And then when sin entered this world, that relationship was severed because sin separates us from God. God is holy, uh, and sin is what actually uh, became that, that, that barrier, if you would, between us and a holy God. It brought separation, it brought distance, but redemption through Jesus Christ brought us back. You and I can now have a relationship with him because of what Jesus has done. Salvation is more. We talked about somebody that gets saved, right? Salvation is given to us by God. Salvation is more than just fire insurance, right? Being saved is more than you not going to hell. However, that's a good reason, right? Lord, thank you that I'm not... Like, if you're a Christian... This life is as close to hell as you will ever get, right? And you're like, it's pretty darn close sometimes. <laughs> Salvation is more than receiving divine intervention in our lives through prayer when we need it most, though it includes that. It's about restoration between the created ones and the creator and having fellowship restored, to know God as Father. God knows you more intimately than any other person. David says this. He says, you know words that come in my mouth before I even say them. You know my rising, you know my sitting. You know everything about my life, David said. And it's possible to know God intimately as well, to walk closely with Him, to have that kind of relationship with Him. To, as Paul said, to pray without ceasing. As you might know any other person intimately, by the way, that you can know God like that. In John's gospel, Jesus tells us this about eternal life. He says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This idea to know God, it's, it, it's more than an intellectual knowledge of who God is, and it's more than a knowledge that he went to the cross for us and correct doctrine. It's actually to know by experience to know as you would know another human being, to have that kind of close relationship, personal fellowship with God, to, to, to know him intimately. I, I know things about people. I know, I know lots of things about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I know he was the governor. I know that he is a seven-time Mr. Olympia, though the seventh was sort of a gift, 1980. I, I know that he was um, the kindergarten cop. I know that he had a headache and it wasn't a tumor right? But I just know about him. I don't know him. I don't know him personally. 
That's the idea when Jesus says, this is eternal life, that you might know God. When we talk about fervent prayer, it's not praying to some distant deity that can actually like come through for you. It's actually knowing God intimately as father and son and daughter and having a continued relationship with him inside your everyday life, learning to live really in God's presence all the time. James tells us a lot about prayer. He tells us that prayer, fervent prayer is powerful in chapter 5 of his little tiny book. He also tells us in chapter 4 and verse 8, he says that you and I, he says, come close to God and God will come close to you. What a great promise. He says, if you draw near to God, God will actually draw near to you. To think that this crazy thought that every one of us is as close to God right now as we truly want to be. Like, you, there's no barrier. If you want to you get close to the Lord in 2020, if you want to have that, that intimate relationship with God, there's nothing stopping you from knowing God more intimately than you've ever known Him. The, the, the record of the descendants, when you read through the book of Genesis, there's this cool guy named Enoch. We don't have any Enochs, by the way, in our kids' ministry room, so... There's a free name for you if you want to try it. <laughs> right? Enoch, it says, he, when he lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. We don't have a Methuselah either. <laughs> Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 5, uh, 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Apparently, they had better uh, health care back then. But then it says this word, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Enoch became sort of a picture, if you would, in the Old Testament of what God's going to do one day with Christians that will be living on planet earth, that he was, he was walking with God and then he was taken. He was literally raptured in God's presence. The word that, that the writer of Genesis uses for an Enoch walk with God, it's this idea of habitual fellowship. It's this idea of this, this constant connection with God. What a, what a great image isn't that to say, like, so tell me about your life. Man, my life, the best part of my life is I actually walk with God. As, as, as friends would walk together on a path and actually know him intimately. Habitual fellowship, this ongoing intimacy. Fervent prayer is powerful, James tells us. But it's also so wonderful that you and I could have a regular connection with God throughout our day. As a proverb says, that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It's actually speaking in reference to God himself in our lives. In the end, that we'll find that as you pray more, as you learn to pray without ceasing, that you will find that this connection with God is becoming increasingly more intimate, and it, it will be the greatest part of your life. And by the way, everyone else around you, your coworkers, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your kids, your friends will all feel the effects of you walking with God, of you growing closer with the Lord. What a great, what a great hope and what a great uh, pursuit you and I should be on as we, as we cruise into this year, 2020. It's possible. I hear about, read about men and women throughout, you know, church history that they had these deep, intimate relationships with God. And you say, like, man, is that, is that possible for me? Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, and I want to have a connection with God like that. I want to know God intimately. 
There's nothing that hinders you from knowing him like that, that, he can, that you can walk with him. There's that old hymn in the garden, you know, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. What a, what a, great, what a great hope for each one of us to say, God, I want to know you like that. So how does that happen in our lives, right? How do we actually learn to live in his presence or pray without ceasing on a regular, consistent basis? There's, I want to leave you with some, some, some things that I want to encourage you to practice this week, right? I want you to put them into practice. Practice is important if you want to get better at something. So put these things. There's actually three things. If you're taking notes, you could jot them down. And they'll be on the screen behind me. Number one is this. When we think about praying without ceasing, is to practice acknowledging his presence with you. Practice waking up in the morning saying, God, you're here. There's no place I can go that you don't exist. In fact, my brother and I talk about, about recovery a lot. My brother's a part of the recovery community and helping you know, uh, you know, people you know, get free from the things that bind them, whether that be alcoholism or drug addiction or any kind of addiction that sort of shackles a person's life. And he says, I tell people, before you get out of bed, drop to your knees and say, God, help me stay sober today. And then at the end of the day, Lord, thank you for helping me stay sober. How great would it be to say, man, to wake up every single day and go, man, Lord, you are here. You are here. Sometimes I think of him as almost like a parole officer who's here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, have you guys ever, you know, like, the, like there's this, these dudes, they took the old movies of Jesus, like way back in the 50s and 60s, and then they like dubbed over the voices of all the disciples and all the people. And one of the videos is their Jesus videos. Uh, and... Uh, and, and one of them, Jesus is coming down, and, and Peter's like, I'm walking, I'm walking around, almost like elf singing, I'm singing in a store. And, 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 and one of them, is, Jesus comes walking in, and he says, okay, everybody, I want to tell you everything that you've been doing wrong. And he looks at Peter, and he says, uh, Peter, you were dancing a little too close to your girlfriend, slow dancing. And he looks over at Andrew and says, Andrew, you drunk too much wine. Not way too much, but just enough to make me angry. And then he looks at another disciple. And, and you know, like, it's goofy, it's funny. Go Google it later on. We'll throw it on our, our website. I don't know, maybe later on today. But you almost think of Jesus like that, acknowledging his presence with you. Oh, crud. Like, Man, there's a lot. Is any shady friends of mine? We just go like, that's some of the stuff I don't want Jesus to know about. You know what I mean? He knows it all, my friends. <laughs> he knows it all. And we can shrink back and almost go like, oh my gosh, God, you're here. You saw me blow up at my kid or my spouse or, you know, give somebody the one-way finger in the car or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, hey, go with Jesus. <laughs> but it's a good thing because he's a loving father he already knows what you have need of. He's already moving through your day with you. He has already seen what tomorrow is going to look like for you. In his ability as God, he sees all at the same time. Your birth, your living, your dying, he sees it all. And he says, acknowledge me in your day and it will revolutionize how you move about your day. Like to acknowledge his presence. Practice acknowledging his nearness today as you're driving home from church today, as you're going to the store. Lord, I said, thank you that you're here right now. 
God, I want to thank you that you already knew that I was going to experience this or feel this or go through this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it's like my wife's lifetime verse, uh, verses. It's, uh, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. God, I, I want to acknowledge that you're here. I want to practice this idea that you're everywhere at all times and you're with me now. And he's near, as James says. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. Jacob, as he journeyed to the land of Haran, he camped out one night. And God spoke to him in a dream and gave him the, these promises that, that God was going to fulfill, the promises he gave to Abraham, to Isaac, and then to Jacob, who became Israel. He gave him these promises, and Jacob woke up after that you know, time of sleeping, and he says this in the book of Genesis, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I wonder how many times we're like Jacob. We just are living our lives. We feel so alone. We feel like the whole world is up against us, and the Lord is right there present in that moment. This week, practice acknowledging that. The good times, the bad times. Lord, you're with me. You are here. You're with me at all times. He's there as you sleep at night. In those times you wake up and you start stressing over stuff. Man, the Lord is near in that moment. Acknowledge his presence. Through his spirit, he is always with us. That's why David said in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Behold, you are there. He's always with you. This week, acknowledge his presence with you. Say, God, I thank you that you are here now. I thank you that you see all that I'm going through. I thank you that you want to help me through this day. I thank you that you want to use these circumstances that are challenging to help me grow as a human being. Like, God, I acknowledge your presence is here. That's the first thing I want you to practice is to wake up and go, God, I, I recognize you are here. You are with me right now. Here's the second thing I want you to practice. Practice inviting Jesus into every situation in your life. Practice bringing God into every moment, if you would. You acknowledge that he's with you, and then say, Lord, I want you to take control. I was about to say, Jesus, take the wheel, but I don't want to like, have to pay any credits to, um, who's that lady? There we go, Carrie Underwood. See, now we're all in trouble. We said it out loud. Practice inviting Jesus into your daily life. I love what David says in Psalm 55, verse 17. He says, morning, noon, and night, I cry out my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. Morning, noon, and night. That sort of covers when I'm actually, like, struggling. Morning, noon, and night, 24-7. God, I want to acknowledge your presence, and God, I want to invite you, and I want to cry out my distress and to know that the Lord hears my voice. I love, there's a, a little book about uh, a monk named Brother Lawrence. He wrote a, a little tiny book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's such a, a gem of a little book. And he talks about this idea that, that you and I have as things in life sort of being sacred and secular. You know, when you have your quiet time, gee, that's sacred, and God's really into that. But when you're washing dishes, it's sort of like, meh, you know, it's not very holy. You're just like washing dishes or doing laundry or whatever. He was a monk who was actually in charge of like serving food. And what he brought this idea of practicing the presence of God is really that God is there, so invite him into your everyday moments. He said this, at any moment and in any circumstance, the soul that seeks God may find him and practice the presence of God. 
Practice that this week. All the different scenarios you find your life in as you're dropping your children off at school. Man, Lord, I just want to invite you into this moment. God, help them at school. They feel anxious about a test or connecting with other young people. Let, let me tell you right now, what our young people are dealing with on their campuses and all the, and all the craziness of, of, of trying to like make it to adulthood in, in 2020, in the 21st century, is so different than what you and I dealt with when we were going to school, Right? I mean, just sit down with a young person and say, like, you know, what is it like and what, what do you deal with and all that. How many of you are excited and so blessed right now that Twitter was not even around when you were in high school? How many of you wouldn't even have a job right now if Twitter was around when you were in high school and videos of you, you know what I mean, in high school? It's, it's, it's worse enough to know that people still remember the things you did and said, right? I'm like, no, you're talking about somebody else. Man, they face so much. Man, they face so much, so much difficulty trying to grow. Invite Jesus in that moment. Hey, before you leave, let me just pray for you right now. Right? Pray God's blessing on that campus. Ask God's Spirit to use those teachers that are believers and those young people who are trying to stand for Jesus to be a light and to know that there are hurting and broken kids that are on that campus as you say goodbye to your young person. When you go to the gym, God, I thank you for my health. God, I thank you for what you've given to me. Lord, and I pray that you'd help that guy to wipe off his dirty sweat off of the thing before I go over there. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get this idea that, you know, we read our Bible and God speaks to us, and then we pray and we speak to God. And the reality is, is that, Lord, I, I'm, I'm musing upon a verse that I just don't understand. Have you ever read something in the Bible? You're just like, I don't understand that. I don't get that. Yeah, I avoid those parts of the Bible when I'm teaching on Sunday morning. No, there's all kinds of... So we can't put God in a box. There's all kinds of mysterious things that we read and go, ah, man, that's hard to kind of grasp and to understand. How about invite Jesus in that moment? Lord, I'm, I'm thinking about this verse. I want some understanding. I want to I learn. And you ask God those things, and God will begin to speak to you. How about when you're at work and the frustrations that are there? God, help me to have a better attitude. Invite him in that moment. Praise him for the joys of your day and the sweet fellowship maybe that you have with a friend, you know what I mean? And like, Lord, thank you that I got to FaceTime that person or talk to them or have coffee with them. You just literally practice inviting Jesus into every scenario of your life when you're tempted to yield to sin. So that's are those moments that we just go like, oh man, I don't want the Lord to know that that's what I was thinking. But he already knows. He's already been there in that moment with you. So you say, Lord, help me to not yield. Help me to not give in. Help me to not, you know, explode when I see this person because I'm so frustrated with them. I love what Hebrews chapter 2 tells us, verse 18. For because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted as well. You know, Jesus lived as a human being. He was fully God, fully man. But he was tempted at all points like us, Yet he was without sin. That's why he became, or he, that's why he was the only one that could actually represent both God and man and pay for our sins on the cross. But he suffered when he was tempted. He struggled as he prayed in the garden, uh, wanting to avoid going to the cross. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Luke, who was a physician, wrote in his gospel that there were there, that they recorded that there were uh, uh, drops of sweat mixed with blood in his forehead. 
as he prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he's struggled. He knows what it's like to be tempted, so he's able to help us. How many moments of failure would you and I avoid had we simply just prayed, Lord, deliver me from evil right now? And then how about when you, when you step over the line? Is there any fellow naughty sinners here today? Where you, you left church and you're like, this week, it's going to be a different week. I see, I see people pointing to others in the back. <laughs> we cross lines. We say, God, I promise I'll never do that again. And then we do, we fail. And, and we feel... And we feel um, shame, and we feel this, this overwhelming sense of failure. And as a human being, we're much like Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and they recognized that they were naked, they went and hid from God. And it says that the Lord came in the cool of the day, in the, in the evening time, and He says, Adam, where are you? This isn't like, well, this is the best hiding you've ever done, Adam. Like, come out, man. Like, I, I give up. You know what I mean? See, God can't learn anything or he couldn't be God. God knows exactly where Adam was. God knew that they would sin as he even created them as human beings. It was God calling to Adam, Adam, come out, right? And he was calling him to confession. But man, we sin and we blow it. And we get to that same sense of like, man, I don't think... I'm, I'm worthy to pray right now. Maybe tomorrow. Or maybe we even get, because we're sort of religiously, like, we're born with religion in us. You know what I mean? We're born with trying to appease God in some way, and we can't do it. And we say, next Sunday I'm going to be at church, and then I'll talk to the Lord about this mess I've created. You know the best thing to do is say, Lord, I absolutely am so dumb. I can't believe that I... I crossed that line. I can't believe that I blew up at that person again. I can't believe I sent that text. I can't believe I opened that window on my computer. God, I can't believe that I and acknowledge God's presence and invite Jesus into that moment. And so, Lord, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to confess it right now. I don't want anything in between me and my relationship with you. You know what's crazy? Is that God forgives us. I read a quote by Charles Spurgeon this week that just blew my mind. He said this, God loves forgiving more than you love sinning. Do you believe that? That God actually loves to forgive you and I more than we actually love the sense of rebelling and sinning. It doesn't last, right? But in that moment of pleasure or whatever, it's like God actually wants to forgive you more than you actually love sinning and actually disobeying him. You confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us, 1 John 1, 9 says. Invite Jesus in, in, in the everyday moments of your life. Turn the podcast off, right? Uh, put your phone down. No one liked your picture. It's okay on Instagram. It didn't, it didn't change in 30 seconds. Lord, I just want to invite you into these moments, God. I want to invite, I want to acknowledge you that you're here. Lord, I want to invite you into my everyday stuff. And it makes it different. What you go through, it makes a big difference. Here's the third and last thing I want you to practice this week. I want you to practice listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by that? 
You know, God invites you and I into his kingdom work. And, and he wants you to participate in what he's doing here on earth. You're his child. He wants you to walk with him and talk with him and to know him. But he wants you to uh, allow your little kingdom to sort of be enveloped by his big kingdom, the kingdom of God, your business life, your, your educational life, your work life, your parenting life, your, your athletic life, all the parts of your life. He wants the kingdom of God to be actually uh, the, the, the thing that is the biggest part of your life. And so he speaks to us, and he shows us things, and he prompts our hearts. If you and I would actually learn to listen a little bit more, right, we got to shut some of that outside noise out, and then you'll sense, man, God's speaking to me, right? Practice listening to those promptings. Elijah was told by God that, he wanted, that God wanted to send rain, and so then Elijah went out and prayed the very thing he knew God wanted to do. You read your Bible, and you read in your Bible that God desires that all would be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And you meet friends that, that, that aren't believers right now. And you say, God, I, I want to just right now, as I think about that friend, I want to pray that they'll come to know you. I want to pray that you'll send someone to share. I pray that you'll use me and my story to help them understand who you are and what you want to do and be in their life. You practice listening to the promptings of God's Spirit. Jesus tells us, uh, in John 10, that he's the good shepherd, and the sheep follow him, that's his disciples, and it says, and they know his voice. As you get closer and closer to the Lord, right, you know his voice. Remember being a kid, and, and you're, out in the, you're, you know, you're out playing down the street or whatever, and then you hear a voice, and it's like a troubling one, like, oh, you need to get home now, Gordon Daniel Hall. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know that voice, you know what that voice is and what it sounds like. As you spend more and more time with God, you'll get to know His voice. And He'll speak to you in His Word. God will direct your steps. I love uh, what Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So God will speak to you. And you learn to listen to God as, as you read something in the morning. The Lord will speak to you about a verse again. And also, he just speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. It'll never be outside of his word. That's why it's important for us to know his word. You'll probably never hear the Lord say, hey, uh, I want you to go buy that, um, that, that scratcher over at that liquor store. And then it's like, okay, I've been listening to the wrong voice because it still hasn't worked. God will never tell you to do something that dishonors him, but he does speak to us through his spirit. The Lord will direct you. It might be to minister to someone. Have you ever had a thought of like, man, I wonder if I should go and serve that person. You find out that somebody's been struggling or maybe they had a surgery or maybe they had a baby or, you know, something going on in their life. And you say, you know what? Man, I'm thinking about them. Maybe I should go and serve them. That's how God's spirit speaks. Maybe it's a decision that you need to make and, and, and you don't feel peaceful about it. That's God's Spirit speaking to you. Or maybe it's a go, like, yeah, I'm drawing you to take this decision and take a step of faith. See, learn to practice listening to the promptings of God's Spirit. He'll put something in your heart, right, to give to somebody, to share what God has given you with somebody else. Maybe it's even financially that, that the Lord prompts your heart to do something for somebody else or a ministry or a missionary. You ever just had this thought like, man, why am I thinking about that person? And it's like, oh, I don't know, whatever. Try to get them out of your mind. 
Maybe it's the Lord bringing them before you. Have, have you ever thought about someone who's like, man, you're thinking about them, but they don't have any chaos in their life? You're know, like, I'm not going to waste this prayer. You know what I mean? I don't know how many I have. And then you find out later on, like, oh, wow, they have some crazy stuff going on in their life. Maybe it's God's Spirit saying, I want you to pray for them pre-chaos that's about to happen in their life. You think about a person, Lord, I don't know what they need right now. Maybe even to send them a text. Hey, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. Just wanted you to know that. It's powerful. Learning to listen to the promptings of God's Spirit. You might find that you're getting your heart in tune with Jesus and what He's wanting to accomplish and do in this world through you. Fervent prayer, it's about reliance upon God. It's about dependence upon God. It's about praying without ceasing. It's about learning how to live in His presence, to acknowledge that He is near. So you practice that this week. To uh, invite Him into every moment of your day. So you learn to practice that this week. You learn to listen to the promptings of His Holy Spirit and what He would speak to you in His Word or directly to your heart. And you learn to practice listening and then acting upon it. Ask Him to speak to you. Ask Him to speak to your heart this week and obey those promptings that come. This idea of friendship with God is such an incredible gift to humanity, the fact that you and I could actually know God and pray to Him. The fact that you and I could have a relationship with the one who created everything that this whole world and universe and everything that is, exists was all created by him. And that friendship is all because of our simple faith in Jesus Christ. You know what's so wonderful is that, that that friendship has nothing to do with what you were able to bring to this equation of you and God and having relationship. It's all because you have a simple faith and a perfect Savior who hung on the cross 2,000 years ago, died for our sins, and rose again from the dead. Made it possible for us to know God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, draw near to God this week. Learn to pray without ceasing. Learn to acknowledge His presence and invite Him in, listening to His Spirit, speaking to your heart. And maybe you're here this morning and we talk about friendship with God as, as if, you know, um, is if it's something that every human being can experience. It's truly true. Every person in this world has the ability to have that kind of relationship with God, but it begins when you acknowledge to God you're a sinner, you've broken His commands, and you invite Him to become the Lord and the Savior of your life. That's how a person is actually saved. Our sin separated us from God. Jesus came to take my sin and your sin Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who never sinned to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Translation, God allowed his dear son Jesus to absorb all the wrath that sin deserved, all the punishment that sin deserved, and he absorbed it all on your behalf and my behalf. And in exchange, he made it possible for your sin to be wiped away and for you to have all of his righteousness and goodness so that you could have a right standing with a perfect and holy God. How does that happen? Belief. Trust. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Simply putting your trust and your faith in him. It's something that a four-year-old kid can do. It's something that a 98-year-old adult can do by simply just surrendering 
your life to him. That's how a person is saved. Faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross that I might be forgiven, that I might be made new, that I might be saved. I don't know what's uh, kind of where our whole crowd is this morning, but man, if you're, if you're a believer, press into God. But today, if you're not certain that you know God personally, today, if you feel like that, that, that if you were to die this afternoon, that you're not certain if you would go to heaven and spend eternity with God, Maybe you've thought in your mind that trying harder and trying to be a better human being is going to actually get you to a relationship with God. It's not possible. There's no one who's good enough. There's no one who's righteous enough that could ever cancel out their debt of sin. So your option is be perfect or have a perfect Savior who stood in your place. If that's you this morning, you want to come to Jesus, you want to have your sins forgiven, you want to begin a relationship with Him today that you too can experience God's presence with you throughout your journey on earth, and receive help from him moment by moment as you learn how to rely upon God, that starts with you taking a step of faith and saying, Jesus, I want to acknowledge to you that I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive my sin. I want you to come into my life. I want you to make me a new person today. If that's something that you right now, God is speaking in your heart, man, we could tell God together right where you're sitting what you want him to do in your life. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you today for your love, God, and your goodness. And Lord, thank you today that we have this incredible promise that prayer is powerful, that you give us permission to come and talk with you. And Lord, you even want to hear from us just as we go through life. Lord, my hope and prayer is that each one of us would find uh, joy this week and strength this week and hope this week because we learn to acknowledge that you are with us. We invite you into our everyday moments. And Lord, we might see that you are moving. We might hear from you, Jesus.